God is so good. We are so privileged to be in His presence this morning, to have been able to remember His Son, Jesus Christ, and the goodness that He showed us in sending Him to die for us, to be able to approach Him in prayer as we have with David's beautiful prayer this morning, to have the opportunity to give back to God who's given everything to us, who is so good. Appreciate the songs that have been sung and the love that you've shown for God and for one another in being here this morning. If you're visiting with us, we're really happy that you can be here to think about with us the goodness of God. Our children often said a simple prayer at mealtime when they were growing up that started out this way, God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. Let us thank Him for everything for every manifestation of His goodness. We have often sung the song we just sang uh, growing up, especially as Micah mentioned, children's song, but really such a powerful song for adults as well. I remember Ken Leach years ago talking about preaching out in Arizona where uh, most of the members of the congregation out there were retirees. And they began every service singing, God is so good. I thought that was interesting. What a, what a beautiful song for those of every age. My sister is fond of saying, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. We think about the goodness of God, we talk about the goodness of God. I'm not really sure that we fully appreciate the goodness of God, but it's something that is mentioned so many times in Scripture There was no way to get all of the verses in this sermon that talk about the goodness of God. But let's start with three. In Psalm 100 and verse 5, the psalmist says, The Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures to all generations. So the Lord is good, and particularly because He's merciful, and He's merciful everlastingly. There is never an end to the mercy of God. And His truth endures forever. There's never an end to the truth of God. We can rely always on His mercy, and we can count always on His truth because He is good. In Psalm 52 and verse 1, the goodness of God endures continually. We are never going to run out, run past the goodness of God. It endures when we fail. It endures when we are not good. Still, God is good. When things don't seem good, God is still good. His goodness endures continually. And in Psalm 31 and verse 19, Oh, how great is your goodness, which you've laid up for those who fear you, which you've prepared for those who trust you, and in you, in the presence of the sons of men, God is so good. Let's take a look at the goodness of God. And let's assert, first of all, as the Bible does in many places, that God defines goodness. We really don't know what good is apart from God. He is the definition of goodness. We talk about God being love, and He is. He shows us what love is. He shows us what a lot of things are. He's righteous. He's holy. We learn righteousness and holiness from God, but God is the very definition of goodness. Everything God does is good. That's part of being God. He cannot do that which is not good. He is ever and always good. And everything that He does. When God created the heavens and the earth, 
After each day, he would observe that his creation was good. When he got to the end of creation in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Everything God created in the beginning was good. Now, the devil has twisted a lot that God has created and turned good things into bad things. Human beings whom God gave free choice out of his goodness, we have also made a lot that he has made good into that which is bad. That's on us, not him. And yet, when God created it from him, it was good. How do you determine what good is? How do you know what isn't good? God is the standard for goodness. Because there is no one ultimately who is good but God. Turn your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 19. In this familiar passage where this man comes to Jesus. We call him the rich young ruler. He's, uh, this story is told in Matthew, Mark, and Luke with a little bit extra information in all three synoptic Gospels. But one came to him in Matthew 19 and verse 16 and said to him, Good teacher, addressing Jesus, Good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Good teacher, what good thing shall I do? Hmm. Jesus begins his answer in a really interesting place, as he often does by answering a question with a question. Why do you call me good? Why are you calling me good? No one is good but God. A couple of things about that. First of all, the most obvious point I'm making right now is that there's none who is really thoroughly good except God. God is good. Secondly, Jesus doesn't chastise him for calling him good. doesn't chastise the rich young ruler and say, Hey, you shouldn't be calling me good. I'm not really good. That's not what Jesus is saying. In fact, he's saying the opposite. He's saying, I am God in the flesh. I'm the Son of God come down. I am Emmanuel, God with you. I am good, Jesus is saying. He is good because he is God. Why do you call me good? That was a perfect thing to call Jesus. God in the flesh. But as the story continues in uh, Matthew 19, as Jesus clarifies that, he then goes on to say, if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Well, why keep the commandments? Because, well, they're good. Remember, he'd ask, the second thing he asked, what good thing, what good thing? Must I do? Jesus said the good thing would be to keep the commandments. Now, this man was living under the law of Moses. We're not living under that law anymore. We'll talk about that in tonight's lesson. But this man was living under the law of Moses, and Jesus tells him, well, you keep the commandments because that's what's good. And the young man says to him, well, which ones? In verse 18, and Jesus says, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Most of those are in the Ten Commandments. Loving your neighbor as yourself is something that was uh, different. But all of that, and the young man says, all these I've kept from my youth up. What more do I lack? And Jesus says to him, if you want to be perfect, if you really want to do good, if you really want to be good, go and sell what you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. At this point, the young man goes away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And in fact, apparently, he was possessed by his possessions. Good things can become bad things. Blessings can become curses. 
when we love them more than we love God. When we love them more than we love goodness. Please understand this morning that God is good. He's been good to you. He's been good to everybody in this room. Continues to be good to you. Please don't take the things that He's given you that are good and make idols out of them and make them the most important thing in your life. We had some slides this morning about what the most important thing is and the most important things are not things. God is good. Jesus wants us to know that. He wanted this man to know that. But the man went away sorrowful. When we look at God, we're looking at someone who defines good character and good behavior. So God is good through and through. He is intrinsically good. He not just it's not that just that He possesses goodness, He is goodness. But also, He exhibits goodness. He shows it, He demonstrates it in His behavior. The psalmist puts it really simply, this is said lots of places in lots of ways, but really simply in Psalm 119 and verse 68, you are good and do good. Talking to God. You are good and you do good. That's God. God demonstrates His goodness in a lot of different ways. We'll just touch on a few things we couldn't, couldn't spend all the time if we spent the rest of our lives trying to describe all of the goodness of God, but Three areas I'd like to look at just briefly that demonstrate the goodness of God. First of all, in natural blessings, the things that we receive day by day, which really come to us from God. Think about Psalm 145 and verse 9. The psalmist says, the Lord is good to all. He's good to everybody. Jesus will say he, he sends the sun and the rain on the just and the unjust. It doesn't matter how bad you are, God's good to you. He gives you blessings. He gives you life. He gives you what you need for life. 145 verses 15 and following, as the psalmist continues here, he says, The eyes of all look expectantly to you. Everybody needs God to bless them with goodness. The eyes of all look expectantly to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. God's not just good to humans, He's good to every living thing. Why, the birds don't even have to worry about where their food's coming from, right? A bird never had to build a barn to store its food. The lilies of the field don't have to uh, sow fine garments for themselves, for God clothes the grass of the field, Jesus will say. And even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one beautiful iris. Not even Solomon. So here is God. He is good to all. Every blessing in nature upon everything that is in nature is from the hand of God. That's the assertion of the psalmist. Secondly, God is good through His kind interventions. I'd like you to turn over in your Bibles to Psalm 107. We don't have time again to look at all of this, but some great thoughts here about the goodness of God and how He helps us when we're in need, how He intervenes in things when they're going bad. This is the goodness of God. God allows free choice out of His goodness, but also He's not going to let that be carried too far a lot of times. He's going to stick His nose in, so to speak. He's going to put His hand in places where it needs to be. So the psalmist begins Psalm 107 by saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His mercy endures forever, as we've noticed already. Throughout this psalm, though, using Israel, the nation of Israel, as an example, 
We see His goodness. God rescues from enemies and from calamities. He rescues them mainly from themselves throughout their history. If you go down to verses 8 and 9 of Psalm 107, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of men. He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Who do we thank for our food? It's God. Who do we thank when our needs are satisfied and satiated? It's got to be God who provides all of these things. The psalmist continues on in this text. If you go down to verse 20, He sent His Word and healed those who need healing, delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works. If I ask for a raise of hands this morning, I'm not going to do that, but if I ask everybody to raise their hand who's ever been healed of anything, that would be everybody. Who did that? The Bible says all healing is from the Lord. I was on a plane with somebody coming back from Africa last year. I think I may have shared this with you. He was somebody who believed in miraculous divine healing, that miracles are still going on today. And I said, well, I believe in divine healing for sure. And I believe that God heals people today. In fact, I think that God heals everybody who is healed because all healing is from God because that's what the Bible says. He was asking me if I believe in divine healing. Absolutely. He doesn't. He believes somehow that people get healed without divine healing. But I believe in divine healing. God heals. In this chapter, you continue on down in verse 29. God calms the storms so that its waves are still. Then they are glad. The people you know, who are being affected by the storms, they are glad. They are quiet. He guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Yes, there are storms in this world. There are storms in life. We preached a lesson last Sunday on the radio about the clouds that God allows to come in our lives and, and the storms that come from those and the floods and the tornadoes and all of that. And yet God blesses us through all of that. And you need the storms so that you can have the rainbows and you need the rain so that you can have water to grow the crops and fill the ponds and the rivers and the oceans. And God blesses us because He's so good. And ultimately, God blessed us in sending His Son to die for us. As we remembered this morning in taking the Lord's Supper, as we do each first day of the week, what, what an enormous, incomprehensible blessing that the Son of God would leave the glory of heaven and come to this earth and live the life of a poor Galilean who didn't even have a place to lay his head and die for us and live forever so that we can live forever. The story of redemption is the greatest story ever told. And the greatest thing about it is that it's true. It's all true. God is so good in saving you and me and from our sin. So Paul will write to Titus in Titus chapter 3 of among many, many verses we can look at along this line. I'll be reading this from the English Standard Version. 
normally use the New King James, but the English Standard Version, I think, has a good translation of the word. It says this in Titus 3 and verse 4, that when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of works done by, His righteous, by us in righteousness, but according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He saved us. God saved us through Christ when we did not de deserve it. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. The last thing we deserve is eternal salvation. God is so good. He saves us anyway. He sends His Son to go through all that His Son went through for us. Our Savior appeared. There's the goodness of God. Our Savior appeared. The contemporary English version in this passage, in Titus 3 and verse 4, says that God, our Savior, showed us how good and kind He is. What a statement. He showed us at the cross how good and kind He is. How can we doubt then the goodness of God? The nature of goodness is determined then by its source. God is the source of all goodness because He is ultimately all good. Goodness is an integral part of God's very nature. We've already said this, but I want you to think about what happens back in Exodus chapter 33. You might remember Moses, the man of God, wants to actually see God. Show me your face. Show me who you really are. God says, well, you really can't see all of me, Moses. You can't, um, that's, that's not something a human being can take in. But he says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock and I'm going to pass by and I'm going to let you see some aspects of me. And so the text goes on in Exodus 33 and verse 19. And he says, I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. As, as God lets Moses see him, he's saying, I'm letting you see all of my goodness because that's my name. That's my identity. Some, a name is the, your identity, right? Jesus corrected the rich young ruler. None is good but God. Why do you call me good? None is good but God. That, that's the identity of God. Don't call somebody ultimately good who's not God. God's saying to Moses, I'm showing you who I am, showing you my name, proclaiming my name, and my name is goodness. It's the very nature of God. Anything that is good comes from God. James 1 and verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variation nor shadow that is cast by His turning. God is the giver of every good gift. It doesn't matter how it looks. Doesn't matter how it feels, how it tastes. If it doesn't come from God, it's not good. If it comes from God, it is good. I was once under the opinion that green peas were not from God. I did not see how a green pea could be from God. Surely Adam and Eve had no green peas in the Garden of Eden. Um, I'm being facetious, of course, but. Um, I had some bad experiences with green peas. They're not my favorite food. 
I was, made, I was made to eat them as a child, mind you. And that's where the bad experiences came from. But the truth is, as much as I hate to admit it, that green peas are good for you. And that green peas are good. And this morning they were even teaching us a lesson. If you don't like them as much as I don't like them. Because they're still good. Goodness is not determined by experience, but by source. Your experience does not determine what goodness is. God does. The giver, who is good. I've, I've had a bad experience with peas, but that does not determine whether peas are good or bad. Barbecued chicken tastes good. I believe that barbecued chicken is good. I have a lot of faith in that. But if I eat too much of it, my cholesterol is going to grow up, go up, go up. So maybe barbecue chicken isn't good for me. But that, my experience doesn't change it. Barbecue chicken's good. God is the source of goodness. Every good thing has its God as its source. God only produces what is good. Now again, man can pervert that. Man can change that because God is, in his goodness has given us free will. You might say, well, you know, God made marijuana, cocaine, allowed alcohol to be produced. Goodness isn't determined by our experience. It's determined by the source. God turns bad things to accomplish good things to those who love him. And that's the power of his goodness. Let me get this straight with you all. So God is so good, and his goodness is so powerful that it overwhelms even that which is bad to turn it toward that which comes out good for those who love him. It's an amazing thing that God does where he can give evil people free choice to do what they want to do in this world, create all sorts of chaos, do all sorts of dirt, cause all sorts of horrible things to happen, and yet still in the end, work it out for that which is good to those who love him. It is astonishing. Sometimes we don't see the goodness of God when something bad happens. Is God good when there's the tragedy of the Ukraine war or the war in Gaza going on right now or the murder of innocent school children or abortion or you name it? If God is good, why do we have loved ones and friends who are dying of cancer or COVID or wasting away with dementia? If God is good, why all of the suffering? We asked this question in a lesson the other day. If God is good, why all the suffering? If God is good. Someone might say, how can there be a God who is good with the tragedy of 9-11? Or, how can there be a God who is good when hundreds of thousands were killed by COVID and about 10 million people worldwide every year die miserably of cancer? How can there be a God who is good? Some say, I can't believe there's a God who would allow that if he's good. Let me tell you something. Let's suppose they're right. Let's suppose because of all this bad stuff, 
there can't be a God who is good. Or if he is, does exist, he, he just isn't good, or maybe he doesn't really exist. Let's, let's, let's give that for a minute. Say, okay, you're right. You have still got, if once you give that, you've still got millions of dead people, and you have no standard for calling those events either good or bad, except your experience. And your experience doesn't determine what's good or bad. Because your experience, somebody else's experience, somebody else's experience, all different. There is no good or there is no bad without God. You can get rid of God in your thinking. You still haven't solved the problem. You still haven't solved the problem. But let me tell you something, God can solve the problem. And He does. How do we answer the fact that God is good yet bad things happen? Remember this first. If it isn't good, then God's not its source. Remember this second. Because God is good, He's allowed a lot of creatures free will to do what they will. And a lot of creatures choose to do bad. And turn good things into bad things. Our problem is that we use the wrong standard for goodness. We use our standard. And our standard, as I've just said, won't work. The proof of goodness, again, isn't the experience. It's the source. Nobody likes to get a shot. Sandy went and got a couple of vaccines in her arm this last week, and her arm almost fell off. You know, it was like, (laughs) what have they done to me? She was sick for two days. Nobody likes to get a shot, but they're good. They're good for you. Nobody likes to go to the dentist. Sorry, Caleb. But it's good to go to the dentist, unless you want all your teeth to fall out. Nobody likes to have surgery. So it's going to the dentist, getting a shot, having surgery. The good things are bad things. Hmm. Great question, right? Romans 8.28 says this. We know that all things, all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to His purpose. No, not everything is good. But even so, God can take all the bad things and work them together for good. Are you going to believe in God only if He acts like you want Him to act? Only if He does things that you experience or perceive to be good? If that's the way it's going to be, you might as well go out here and pick out a log from the river and carve it up and bow down to it. Because you're just making your own God. God's only going to be my God if what I experience and what I perceive in my life, I decide is good. If that's your attitude, just go make yourself your own God because that's what you're doing. God is God and He is good whether we perceive it or not. Whether we experience it that way or not. It's part of being who He is. Honestly, if goodness and if God 
is subject to the judgment of our experiences and opinions. We just become our own God. And that's the way the world is today. The world is today where most people are their own God. They decide what they're going to do and not do. What they perceive to be goodness and evil. People living by their own opinions. I see on Facebook all of the time uh, young people, people that used to be walking in the light and serving the Lord have decided I'm going to just please myself. I'm living for me. Not for God. Even when things are bad, God is good. Remember the story of Job, of course, who illustrates this probably as well as anybody in human history. Here Job is. He's a wealthy man. has ten children, ten beautiful children. He dotes on them. He sacrifices for them. He has all of this wealth, all kinds of flocks and herds and all sorts of things. And in one day, in one day, his ten children are killed by a natural disaster, whirlwind. All of his flocks, all of his wealth is taken away. All of it in one day. Job, who had been living the good life, now has nothing. How does he respond to that? Well, God is now bad. Is that it? God's now bad because I don't have any good stuff? Listen to him. Job 1 in verse 21. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in all of this, Job did not charge God with evil. You better not charge God with evil. God is the giver of everything you are, everything you have, every breath you breathe. He has given it. He has the right to take it away if He wants to. It's all His. Job knew that. And at the end of the day, God is still good. Blessed be the name of the Lord. God, God knows what is best. He is omniscient, all-knowing, and all-powerful. I'd like to spend just a few minutes as we wind up the lesson this morning talking about how we should respond to God's goodness. And here is the application of the lesson, if you will. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 4, talking about how good and merciful God is, how patient he is with even the most wicked people. Paul asked the question as if talking to a wicked person who refuses to do right and refuses to repent. He says, do you despise the riches of his goodness, his forbearance, long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Why is God continually being good with rotten people? Why does he show grace to people who show him no love? Why is he even allowing them to take up space on this earth and breathe the air that he provides? Why is God so good to those even who are so evil? The goodness of God, here's the answer, the goodness of God is leading you to repentance. A lot of people in the world today think that they're given all that they're given. Education, time, wealth, opportunity, 
and that they've done all of that for them by themselves and they don't owe anything to God and they say God doesn't exist or God is cruel or God is evil and God just keeps on giving stuff to them. Why? He's trying to get them to admit that actually He's good and they need to change their mind. I had a telephone question last night Telephone call last night, and the, the person asked me this question what, what exactly is repentance? What exactly is repentance? It's to change your mind. The word means change your mind. The goodness of God causes you to change your mind about Him. That's why He's so good to us. When we see His goodness, we'll change our mind about Him. Repent of unbelief and ingratitude. And then be thankful. God is so good. Part of our problem is that we spend too much of our time complaining about 10 bad things that happen and not appreciating 10,000 good things that happen. And I, I've said this before, but especially in this country, folks, we have got to stop it. We are, we are so much better off than 90% uh, of the people on this planet. We have so much and been blessed so richly in so many ways. We want to complain about first world problems. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. That's 1 Chronicles 16 and verse 34. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. How many times uh, how, how many times the bad things are only bad because we've been given so many good things. You know why you think that uh, your loved one is suffering or has a disease or passed away or something? You know why you think that's bad? Because God gave you that loved one. You know why you think it's bad that your, your health is suffering? Because God gave you health to begin with. Why is it bad that you're having trouble with your memory, as apparently quite a few of us are. Because God gave us a clear mind to begin with. Do we ever thank Him for all of that? Before we start accusing Him of being bad for now not having that? Is that what Job did? Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord has given. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Come into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. Psalm 38 and verse 34 and verse 8 rather. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts him. And then thirdly. I think we should respond to God's goodness. When adversity comes, by resting in Him and trusting Him. Listen to this psalm, Psalm 31 now, in verse 19. How great is your goodness, again says it. How great is your goodness, which you've laid up for those who fear you, which you've prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of men, 
You shall hide them in the secret place of your presence from the plots of men. You shall keep them secretly in the pavilion from the strife of tongues. You know what God is to those who trust Him? When adversity comes, He's right there with you. He is holding you, as the psalmist says in Psalm 73, by your right hand every moment. You'll never have to go through anything alone. Not one time. Because God is with you. That's how good He is. So whatever the storm of life is, He's there. Whatever the pain we're suffering, whatever we're having to endure, whatever struggles we have, God is there. Whatever sin we have to overcome, He's still there. He's still good. So lastly, how should we respond to the goodness of God? Step out in faith. If we believe in a God who is ultimately and always good, here's what I know. If I do what He's, going to, what he's asked me to do, if I do it in faith, if I step out and do those things that I think are hard or impossible or I can't do, but God has asked me to do them. Okay, well, I'm going I'm to step out and I'm going to try it. I'm, I'm going I'm to take that opportunity to speak to somebody about Him. I, I'm going to take a stand for the truth in the workplace, at school, in my society. I'm going to step out and stand strong and be courageous for that which is right. And I can do all of that because God asked me to do all of that. And guess what? God is good. Listen to it here in Psalm 84 and verse 11. The Lord God is sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. You walk uprightly, step out and do that which is right in your life. And God will be with you all the way. All the way. The Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. God is so good. And until we acknowledge that, we can have in this life neither hope nor happiness. His goodness. His goodness leads us to salvation. Right now, this morning, are you honoring God in your life, the God who has been so good to you in so many ways? And no matter how you've treated Him, He still loves you. He still wants you to come to Him even this morning. Acknowledge His goodness in faith. Turn to His Son, Jesus Christ, for salvation. Repent. Change your mind. Be baptized in water for the remission of sins. You know what Peter told people, right, in Acts 2.38? What should we do? What should we do in response to what God has done for us? In response to His goodness? And Peter answered, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. If you need to do that this morning, please come while we stand and while we sing.